epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. See how to elevate your live sports experience at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. When you're an American Express Platinum card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! And even, Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Terms apply. That keeps moving. Setting up KD for three. Well, 39 the first time, 40 the second. That's how you do it. You leave you leave your former team and then drop 79 on them in two games. Kevin Durant showing all that love for the Oklahoma City Thunder. Lang Whitaker, my main man in New York, this is Sekou Smith, Yo. here at headquarters in Atlanta, the Hang Time Podcast. Welcome in this week. Lang, we got a got a stacked lineup today. We're going to... yeah. Talk to uh, George Carl about his book, Furious George. Hit up our man, Dan Wakey, about the Los Angeles Clippers. And then, of course, our Schumann stat with our main man, John Schumann, a little bit later. But about bragging rights? Don't worry about that. We'll talk about that another time. But I, I want to know, do you think this is kosher the way Kevin Durant is doing Russell Westbrook in the Thunder? <laughs> I mean, apparently I mean, they're not them? speaking. I'm saying they're not speaking. They're not, you know, no communication. But he's letting his fingers do the talking to the tune of 79 points in two games against his former team. You know what's going to be interesting is we'll find out for certain later today, but there's a pretty good chance that two of them are going to be in the starting lineup for the Western Conference All-Stars in a couple of weeks. You, fi- you figure they'll have to be f- be friendly to each other at some point, right? Or there's gonna be, They're going to be spending a lot of time together. There might be a lot of long, awkward silences <laughs> if they're not talking. Well, I, mean, I don't um, know if you saw at the end of the game, the somebody, I think it was Steven Adams, tried to go up and, and uh, you know, dap Kevin Garnett up. I mean, Kevin Durant, excuse me, up after the game. And and Westbrook could be heard saying, don't don't dab up that, you know what. Well, I heard at one point he said, don't jump when he when Westbrook dunked. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah, he, he, one of those drives to the basket, he drove and slammed, and he yelled, don't jump at Durant. He was right there. <laughs> I love that these dudes are showing uniform color is certainly thicker than anything else. After all those years playing together, starring together, building what they do in, in Oklahoma City, Russell Westbrook has basically excommunicated Kevin Durant from his from everything, his life, his thoughts, the whole world, just because he decided to leave and go play with the Warriors. Seems that way. I mean, I we've had guys I, work with should... us before. We don't just write them off as the human beings after they leave. Well, speak for yourself. <laughs> I, I I would say that it's been you know Westbrook is not like a normal human either. I've I've advocated on this podcast that he's actually an android from the future who's That's into right. amazing in basketball and is very into fashion. And I think if if you continue that line of thought and that belief, that it makes sense that he is not good at having you know relationships with people. Also, I mean. Think about it. If you're Westbrook, you've been going to war with this guy for a long time, and now he says, "I don't want to be on your team anymore." 
I mean, you're taking you it kind of personal, aren't you? I mean, it's, it's it's a personal decision, and then I'm just saying, if listen, if you if you up and decide to run off to some other podcast next week, I'm not going to badmouth you and never speak to you again. You badmouth you badmouth me as it is now. <laughs> 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 Why would it have to involve me going to another podcast? <laughs> I'm just saying, I feel like this has gotten, this is very melodramatic, 90s sitcomish type foolishness to me. It's like, what, you know, come on, Russell Westbrook. You gotta rise above it, man. You, this guy was your brother. Like, you were brothers at one point. Well, at this point, Westbrook is, he's like Mad Max. And he's showing up every game, <laughs> loaded, ready to go. And, uh, <laughs> You know, he's. I think at this point, he you can't expect him to have normal human relationships, and you know, maybe down the road everything will be fine. But yeah. in the in the heat of the battle, I understand if emotions get strained a little bit. Well, I like the idea you you bring it up with the All Star Western Conference All Star team. As you mentioned, those starters will be announced on TNT Thursday night. So make sure you you tune in to find out. Whether or not Lang and I got it right, we were on a media panel of voters for the we new, vote for the same people for the newfangled All Star selection process for the starters. I don't know who'd you who were your. Who'd uh, you? I think everybody in the West seemed to have the same crew. Right. It was uh, I had Westbrook and Harden in the backcourt. Right. And then Durant, Kawhi, and Anthony Davis. Yes, was I, my five. That's that was my five in the East. I had Isaiah Thomas and Demar Derozan. Is my backcourt, and then in the front court I had LeBron, Jimmy Butler, and Giannis. I had the same, except I had Carmelo instead of Giannis. Yes. No, I'm kidding. And I saw. Hey, I, by the way, guess who I saw Sunday? And I Mark almost Johnson? stopped him and took a, took a selfie with him to send to you. <laughs> <laughs> but I, by the way, he would beat the star starch out of you. He is in tip top shape. He looks like he could go out and play in that three on three league that Ice Cube started. Well, we know we know he we lost and white men can't jump, so yes. I'm not worried about that. <laughs> so you might um, want to refrain from disrespecting Marcus Johnson. Put, put that out of your Giannis. mind. I put Giannis in my starting five. The one thing that a lot of people were split on was Tamar DeRozan or Kyle Lowry. I saw that go several. You know, it seems like it was almost fifty fifty. Yeah, nobody had both of them, but you, but most people had one or the other of them. And I went with DeRozan because right. to me, he's carried a pretty hefty load for that team all season long. I, I just feel like it's tough to separate the two of them because they're yeah. both so integral with what the Raptors do. But I really do think DeRozan gets a slight edge just because he's more he's been more consistent. Yeah. In in terms of scoring at that high clip, Lowry's having a great season again and certainly deserves to be on on the All Star team. But I feel like he's had a couple of games where you look up and go, "Ooh, he had a you know he's had some stinkers." Where DeRozan yeah. hasn't really had a, a handful of those stinker games. He's been pretty. Pretty solid and consistent in what he's done. Whichever one starts, the other one's going to be on the team, too. Exactly. So, yeah. That's what should happen, yeah. So, all right. Now that we've gotten through our good news and the, the pleasantries, I can't believe we're talking about this again, but the <laughs> the Los Angeles Clippers are dealing with yet more adversity during this NBA season, and it comes in the form of yet another injury to one of their key players, Chris Paul, out six to eight weeks with a torn ligament in his left thumb and laying why bother yapping about this with just the two of us when we can do it with somebody who's right there at Ground Zero? Our main man, Dan Wakey, from the Orange County Register, covers the Clippers, has better perspective than anybody. So, Dan, give us give us the latest on, on the, the mood surrounding the Clippers right now with, with yet more of that Clipper karma jumping up and snatching them in the midst of this season. Yeah, I mean, I wrote this yesterday. I mean, I kind of expected to walk into practice on Wednesday and hear, like, the Smiths 
like blaring, <laughs> you, you know, um, or, or just like everybody just like totally emoed out. And, uh, you know, I mean, they put on kind of a happy face about it. And I think, you know, I mean, I guess that's the good part I, uh, about going through this stuff all the time is you kind of know how to deal with it. Yeah. And, you know, they've got the playbook for it and they know that you can't dwell on it and you've got to kind of move forwards and, and regroup. And I think they take some kind of solace in knowing that Blake Griffin will be back soon. But I, I, I still like... I know they all say that they, they're, like, okay with it. I still have to believe, just, like, as human beings, that somewhere, at least for, like, 10, 15 minutes, they're like, man, what the hell? Like, again? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I just think that has to be there. And I think so. they say it doesn't. They say that's, like, what makes athletes different from the rest of us. That might be true. I'm not sure I 100% buy it. No, I don't buy it at all. I, I don't either. I think late at night, some one of those guys is sitting around playing video games or something, there's, like, Come on again! <laughs> I know. I know. Are you kidding me? Absolutely. I mean, the, the the thing that really bothers me about it too is that we we always talk about the Clippers in in terms of well, if they could just stay healthy, well, if they could just not have anything get in the way, then maybe they could finally take that step and and get to that next level. They never avoid the drama. There's always something that that gets to this team, whether it's injuries, whether it's off the court drama. When does Doc? pull out the last remaining strands of his hair, which, by the way, that hairdo of Doc's, I love I love him fighting the power, like trying to hold on to that hairline when he knows it's time to go ball. Last remaining strands are all along the front. <laughs> but, I mean, when does, when, when does Doc say enough is enough and say maybe it's time we start looking at a different look for this team or a different DNA for this team? I mean, I think you have to think about it, but – you know, I mean, as someone who's been asked that question, I feel like I've been asked that question for like two years. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, because again, like I said, like this, none of this is new. This is all like, right. This is all feels like a rerun that for me, I would need proof that the alternatives are better. Right. And it's not like they're in a position where, I mean, let's just, we can just break this down really quickly. I mean, okay. They could try to trade Blake Griffin. Well, you'd be selling him probably at his lowest possible value right. at this point. You know, he just had knee surgery. He can opt out at the end of the season. So you can kind of take small market teams out, out, you know, would Boston be willing to kind of unload everything? You know, if Blake Griffin really wanted to sign with Boston, they might not even, they wouldn't have to trade for him. They could wait until July. Right. So I, I think their options there are limited. Um, I think, you know, you know, something even bigger, you know, <laughs> a full blow up. Um, they still, it's not like they've got young talent to rebuild around because they really don't. Yeah. And it's not like they have draft picks either because they really don't. They've traded them all. So yeah. I, to me, rebuild isn't even an option. Like, this is like run out the string as best as they can. If they were to lose Chris Paul or Blake Griffin, I would assume that their plan would then be to try to go find someone else to be a superstar for this team. Yeah. That seems to be the path that they're on. So. You know, to me, that's why a new look doesn't make a ton of sense. It, it, it would seem like the best, still the best version of the Clippers next year, three years from now, based on kind of their economics and based on sort of their opportunities, I think, is one with Chris Paul and Blake Griffin on it. Yeah. What are, Dan, what are they saying, you know, short term? I mean, we're, we're talking long term, but in the meantime, while Chris Paul is out, you know, how, how do they get through these next six, eight weeks and remain in this mm-hmm. playoff hunt? Well, it's a small sample, but since the Chris Paul injury, Ray Felton is shooting 1,000% from the field. <laughs> and, I, and I think that is, they are hoping that that is sustainable. Um, no, they're going to play him in, in Austin Rivers. 
Austin's been kind of sneaky good as a starter this year. He's uh, he's averaging over 15, 16 points a game as a starter. But, you know, you don't lose points so much with Chris Paul. I mean, there is offense that, that you lose yeah. like that, like, you know, the scoring. But it's the playmaking. And, and they, don't, they, I, they don't really replace that anywhere. You know, um, Jamal Crawford is a good passer, but, like, that's not really what he likes to do. You know, Raymond Felton is a, a guy who drives. That's what he does best. Austin Rivers is a guy who drives. That's what he does best. So I think, honestly, the, the, their hope, the, they, they've got to, this has to be the Clippers' hope, is that Blake Griffin comes back healthy. The, the plan is for him to be 100% when he returns. And, and, you know, all signs of that pointing to that happening sooner than later. Um, that he can be the, the Blake Griffin that, you know, I think it was three years ago when Chris Paul had the shoulder problems um, and missed a month with a separated shoulder. That's the Blake Griffin that was third in the MVP voting. Right. I, I mean, it was the guy that they could throw the ball to in transition, and it, it, he kind of ran the offense. Um, mm-hmm. Didn't average a ton of assists, but but it was like I think it was like four or five. Like kind of ran what he averages now, but but he was the focal point with the ball in his hands, and and, and I think that's going to be, you know, to me that would be the obvious kind of starting point as to how do we move forward. It would be to do the thing that worked. I think they went 12 and 6 in 18 games without Chris Paul playing that way um, against some good teams. You know, if they could win 66 percent of their games without Chris Paul here going forward, they'd sign up for that in a second. Do you, Dan, do you think that the the thing that maybe complicates matters as well is that Doc is the coach and the president of the team, and that you know if if you decide to to try and go in a different direction, you're kind of indicting one you know one or the other if you if you sure. make seismic changes. Well, I mean, I, I think, yeah, I mean, I think that's the problem, kind of, you know, the inherent problem with having that dual role is that the coach's job is to think about five minutes from now, the GM's job is to think about five years from now. Right, right. You know, and, and that's, you know, that's the issue. I mean, I, like, I'm sure Coach Doc would look around and say, man, you know, it'd be great to have a, an extra point guard floating around. Like, oh, who's available? Rajon Rondo's available. Like, that'd be awesome right now for for six to eight weeks, right. you know, right. and a normal, like if a different GM might be like, yeah, that's not a bad idea, but let's not really give up assets to make that happen. <laughs> like that's not probably <laughs> worth it, but like coach doc and GM doc happen to share the same brain and the same hairline. Right. <laughs> and, 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 you know, that might be um, where those decisions get murky. Right. And, and that's where you just have to trust people around you. I think Lawrence Frank is a guy who, who's really immersed himself in front office life, mm-hmm. and I think he's the guy the organization needs to be kind of the front office voice. Now, ideally, it'd be somebody who's kind of been groomed in that position for years, um, you know what I mean, who's maybe a little more experienced or whatever, but I, but I think Lawrence is a smart guy, and I think he's got the acumen for it. And, right. And, you know, I think that he spent time on a bench probably helps him in, in talking to Doc about saying, yeah, maybe we shouldn't do that. Yeah, right. It's just to me, it's just such a weird predicament for a team to have this many consecutive seasons impacted by something crazy going on. Um, yeah, I, I don't think I've ever. I, I can't imagine a team every year, year after year, like this guys, where there's always well, something that gets in the way. Here's the fun part about this too. This is still by far the best era of Clipper basketball ever. <laughs> oh yeah, that part. Like, like, like it's not even. Like it is not even close. Yeah, they're like, you know what I mean. Like, so that's the weird part about all of this, and and that's the thing, you know, for me, when, when I think about, you know, kind of the the, the notion of blowing it up. If I'm Steve Ballmer, yeah. um, you know, 
I, I'm looking at new buildings here, you know, and, and maybe trying to get into my own arena and stuff like that. And I want to build a statue. I yeah. want to have jerseys to put in the rafters. I want to have some sort of history to celebrate. Right. And, um, you know, this to me is the core that I would celebrate, right? You know, right. 10 years from now. And, and so that might be, for me, would play a factor, too, in deciding, you know, do I really want to give Chris Paul the five-year, like, Supermax contract, you know, yeah. when he gets hurt all the time? You know, I'd say yes, absolutely. You know what I mean? Just because to put that three up in, in the rafters, to have, you know, when he goes into the Hall of Fame, to have him be a clipper more than anything else. Like, to me, that stuff matters to this franchise, or it should, because they've got nothing else to hang on to. Right. Or maybe you look at this and you say, well, you know what? This is fortuitous timing, because for once, we're going to have Blake and, and Chris miss time in the regular season and be healthy when the playoffs come around, or reasonably healthy, I would guess, by the time the postseason starts, instead of kind of heading it limping into the postseason. Maybe, maybe this works in a good way at the end of the day. Who knew you were such a terrific optimist? Like? I mean, I mean <laughs> that is no, no, this glass is half full. Right. <laughs> you know, I think you're right. I, I mean, look, I'll, that's the other part of this too, right? Where it's like this is why you know the dashboard confessional screamo wasn't playing at practice. <laughs> it, 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 it's that this team is smart. They're a veteran team. They know that they could have won 68 games this season. And if they had lost in the first round of the playoffs, everybody would have said to blow it up. Yeah, Like, they know that. And they know that ultimately they're going to be judged by the postseason. And the goal is to, to, you know, and here, I mean, here's the other kind of thing, too. Gun to their heads, and I don't know that they would publicly admit this, but, you know, if you're talking about paths to the finals, um, uh, getting there from the sixth seed might be very easier than getting there from the four. You know, yeah. and that's because, I mean, you're not running, you know, you're not running through, you've kind of put yourself on the other side of the bracket from the Golden State right. Warriors. And, and and I think that, you know, that might not be the worst thing in the world. This team has proven they can win on the road. They're a good road basketball team. They like it. Um, you know, one game seven at home in the first round, you know, I, I don't know that that determines the season. It might. Um, but yeah, it, it might, you know, know kind man. of the silver lining. That's, pick, that's a real pick your poison. Like, you want, <laughs> yeah, you'd rather have Houston, is. San it Antonio, is. go for it. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, so it's weirdly, you know, that's the team. They, I mean, that's the other thing about this Clipper team, guys. That is, is like wildly frustrating and confusing. Is the the best, the the longest stretch of healthy basketball we have from them is the first sixteen games of the year. Yeah, and they were fourteen and two. Yeah, they were awesome. It, yeah, you know what I mean? That's the sample they have for, like, this is what we can be when we're 100% healthy. Yeah. Um, and after that, Blake started kind of, the knees started bothering him, and, and you know, their effort kind of waned a little bit, and, and they were inconsistent. Uh, but even still on that stretch, I mean, this is a team that has a win in Cleveland. This is a team that has two wins over the Spurs, including one where they they play the entire fourth quarter with their bench, um, you know, to, to kind of beat them. Um, they've you know they beat in Toronto. Um, they have they lost to the Rockets when they were way banged up, and you know they haven't beaten the Warriors. To me, that that's the other kind of interesting thing here, guys, is that you know I think mentally this this year they talked about like you know when they won in Cleveland they had said like this was the year that we we needed to beat them once right. just to kind of prove to ourselves that we could get there. Yeah. Um, because they hadn't beaten Cleveland, they had to feel that same way about the Warriors. Um, they lost them once. Now they play them three times in the next month, and they're going to probably play them all three times without Chris yeah. Ball. You know, can they can they get to where they want mentally 
without stealing one of those wins. I, I mean, there's a bunch of questions about that. Yeah, yeah. Look, all I want to know is, how's your karma? I mean, you and the rest of the guys that have to cover that team, I'm worried about y'all. Worried about you guys getting speeding tickets, leaving the arena, fender benders, um, you know, don't step on any cracks. Losing your hair. (laughs) Well, you know, I mean, you know, it's just me and BT. So, um, you know, my, you know, I'm good. You got to worry about BT's got no more hair to lose. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, he's good. As long as BT ends up in Paris for a month this summer, he's good. Exactly. Yeah, I talked to him yesterday. He's he's mentioned it, reminded me he's going to be in town. He's like, you know, I'm going to be in Atlanta. I was like, yeah, dude, I know the schedule. And he's like, yeah, well, uh, just letting you know I'm going to be in town. I was like, I will will clear the decks when the Clippers show up in town. Dan Wojcicki. Of the Orange County Register joining us here to talk uh, Clippers, Chris Paul, and everything else on Hang Time Podcast. We appreciate it, man, and uh, we'll see you at Phillips Arena sometime soon. I will. I was going to say I will also be in Atlanta. Thank you. No I, question. I, just, I, I I trust that you know the schedule and you know where and when I'm going to be places. So. Man, I keep tabs <laughs> on you guys. I, we keep up with you guys. Appreciate care, all the good work, man. Thanks, Dan. Nice conversation there with our man Dan Wakey. Um Clippers lying. I don't know. So, <laughs> Doc Rivers has his hands full the rest yeah. of the season. Just like you have your hands full, as always, every week <laughs> on the Hangtime Podcast with the Schumann stat. Fellas. Shoo, what's up? What's happening? You know, just trying to keep laying uh, on the right path here. Well, I got some trivia for you. All Bring right. it. All right. So, there are four active players who are the all-time franchise-leading scorers for the teams that they currently play for. This is a two-part question. Okay. First part is who are the four active guys who are the leading score, all-time leading scorers for the teams that they currently play for? Dirk Nowitzki. A couple of them should be pretty easy. Dirk Nowitzki's got to be one of them. Yep, that's, that's one of the easy ones. All right. Uh, well, it's got to be a teams that don't have a lot of history. <laughs> Not necessarily. Yeah. Guys who have been, I mean, guys who have been playing with the same team. For, the for a long time, yeah. yeah. Yeah, one of the teams has been around for a long, long, long time that you still that we're still got to figure out. All right, so Dirk's should be one. a fairly obvious one. Dirk is one, yeah. Um, come on, Lang. Thinking. I did my part. <laughs> thinking. You're smarter than Schumann. Come on, who's the, who's the other obvious one? Even though this guy took a break from Le- this. I would assume it's franchise. LeBron. It's James. Yeah, yeah um, LeBron James yeah. is the other obvious one. The other two. Are for expansion teams, the teams that, that that's what I was thinking in our lifetime, right? And they both became the all-time leading scorer for that franchise this season. Hmm. But I don't know, like some of the franchises count the history. Well, no, yeah. they're expansion well, yeah. teams. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you this: the new the Pelicans all-time is is basically New Orleans. So, like, once the Hornets moved to New Orleans, they be, that's the that's where the Pelicans franchise starts. And the Hornets franchise is now Hornets in Charlotte, then and Bobcats, and then right. the, the new Hornets. So basically, that's right. that, and that'll come about in the second part of the question. Okay. But right now, those those two franchises are not involved in the first uh, part of the, the part. Of the question. Uh, okay, all right. So we need Which two is, more guys who are the all-time leading scorer for the for franchise they play with currently right play now. For, yeah. All right, uh, man. one's in the one. East, one's in the West. One right. is an all-star in the East. All right. Well, let's look at the all-stars in the East. LeBron, <laughs> mark him off. Giannis? No. No. Uh, um, DeMar DeRozan? Correct. DeMar How do we DeRozan know he's an all-star? Yes, it's DeMar DeRozan. He was an all-star last year. I forgot. He just passed Bosch. I just remember seeing the <laughs> well, notes. Well, we haven't announced today yet. 
Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. well, that's true. That's true. But I, I was, I'm thinking like All Star coming into the season. Yeah, he's an All Star this yeah, season. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's see. And then the West is the fourth one. Yeah. Um, gosh. This guy, he also became the uh, franchise all-time leading scorer this mm. season. It's an expansion franchise. Right. He's he's never been an all-star though. He gets paid like one. Uh huh. Come on, Lang. This is like this is like high school doing my uh, project work when I sit there and answer all the questions. And the other people will be Western sitting there Conference, watching. Expansion team. Expansion uh, team. Western Conference. Been, Who are the expansion teams? Never been an all-star, but gets paid like one. It's paid. <laughs> Expansion teams in the West. Minnesota Timberwolves. That would be Kevin Garnett. So he's not. He's not. Uh, I'm trying to think here. Kevin Garnett's not an All Star. Who else are the expansion teams? I don't know. Uh, we can't even get to, we can't even get the first part of the question right. Best with Schumann. All right, this guy's a point guard. <laughs> and he's the all time leading. Scorer. Mike Conley. All- Mike Conley. He's correct. the Grizzlies' all-time leading scorer? All-time really? leading scorer. In wow. Past, yeah, past Pau Gasol. Mm. So did Marc Gasol pass, pass. So, like, it's Conley, Marc Gasol, Pau Gasol now. Wow, I didn't uh, know that. All right. Yeah. All right, so we got All those. Right, so that got part, Come on. Yeah, part two is three active players who are the all-time leading scorers for franchises that they don't play for anymore. Uh, One du- should be really easy. Dwayne Wade. Hey, hey. Dwayne Wade, correct. Two more. Uh, uh, Kevin Durant. Nope. Dang. No. Because Oklahoma no. City goes back to Seattle, so Gary. Oh, Gary that's Payton right. Okay, Gary gotcha. Payton is te- technically the all-time leading scorer. Okay, gotcha. Sun- Sonics slash I would, Thunder. I would say Paul Pierce, but I don't think he's the leading scorer. Nope. No. Uh, I have a check, I believe, is Celtics all-time leading. Let's see. Hold on. Let's see. So this would be somebody who has – Still Play playing, but change teams after yeah. being right. somewhere first, for a long time. One, Al Horford, no, another, not Al. Both of these, first one Georgia is another Nelson. expansion team. The team is in the East, that the, and the player is now back in the East. Vince um, Carter. No. No. Well, he's in the <laughs> West. We just named DeRozan as the all-time leading scorer That's right. in uh, Toronto. Uh <laughs> Sherman has this tone of like the frustrated teacher who's like the, the, the kids won't listen. Didn't to you him. guys do your homework? Yeah. I love it. Did you not read the chapters? I told you. He tweeted the other day about how frustrated he gets about with us. How stupid um, we are. Yeah. So this guy, all right, this guy's a center in the Eastern Conference. Uh huh. He's in for one team, but he's the all-time leading scorer for another Eastern Conference team. Dwight Howard. Dwight Howard, correct. Good call. All right. Now, the other one is tougher. All right. This guy plays in the West, and he's the all-time leading scorer for another team in the West. The one that we discussed, we talked about the complicated histories. Mm-hmm. Hornets. Uh, Chris Paul. Close. Right, correct franchise, wrong player. Huh. What former Hornet, Pelican Hornet, Bobcat? Let's, huh. I'll, I'll give you a clue. This guy has been... Some may think that this guy has been ring chasing the last couple of years. David West. David West, yes. the all-time West. leading scorer in New Orleans franchise Horn- history. Right. Hornet slash Pelicans. Yeah. Okay. Good. That's. You so do know if you were teaching players- if you were teaching classes when I was in school, shoe I'd still be in school. You know that, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's a fun one, though. I like that one. Current players, uh, leading all-time leading scorers: Dirk, LeBron. DeMar DeRozan, Mike Conley, and then all-time leading scores for 
franchise that they used to play for: Dwayne Wade, Dwight Howard, and David West. That's that's interesting. I don't. I mean, I I wouldn't have even thought of David West without all the clues. I wouldn't have either. Like yeah. I, I just started looking this up because I was thinking it was Chris Paul. Yeah, you know, yeah. We were doing. You guys were talking Clippers, so I'm like, all right, let me see. You know, I, I think Chris Paul might be like close to all-time leading scorer in for two different franchises, but. Mm-hmm. And then I discovered it's David West. Like, oh, that's interesting. Did West? So West must have. I mean, he was there before Chris Paul got there. Then, uh, that's right? A good question. I mean, he had to have been there before, maybe like by a season or two, to give him an edge. I would imagine. He started there in two thousand three or four. Chris Paul was drafted in 05, oh, 06. So right. he was there for two, two extra years. Right. I figured he must have had then, him jump on him. Yeah. So. That was a yeah, remember right now when you the, think of him like as a pacer, but like right. yeah, he was there. He was there for a long time. But remember that at one point that team. People thought they were going to be a power in the West at one point. You know, when they when those guys were yeah. together and they were kind of rocking Yeah, they had one, one good sort of playoff year. They, yeah. I think they beat the Mavs in the first round and then lost to the Spurs in seven games. Maybe have lost at, may have lost, I think, game seven at home in the conference semifinals, if, yeah. I, if, I'm, if I'm correct. It's crazy. Um, I, have a, uh, I have a trivia question for John. All right, let's go. What college team – Barely defeated the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets last night. Okay, baby. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a slow pitch down the middle of the plate. Come on, man. You so, know, he, go back a, go back a few weeks and they uh, they beat the uh, Michigan. Wolverines I knew he's gonna too. bring that up in Ann Arbor. I, <laughs> I was watching. I watched the end of that game last night, and uh, I just happened to cross it on my on cable. And uh, do they have a ceiling fan in the arena Virginia Tech plays in? Uh, not that I remember a ceiling fan. It looked like there was a ceiling fan <laughs> at the top of the arena turning around. Like on one of those camera shots, I was like, what is going on? This must be some innovation that Schumann came up with to help <laughs> throw the crowd up. So. They were playing, uh, they had to play Enter Sandman there on the last time out, I believe. Like, they did, uh, yeah, I saw that. Well, hey, Lang, we're going to get some, uh, some live in the flesh Schumann stats during All Star Weekend when Schumann shows up and, and plays a little pickup ball. Um, I'm retired, of course. I, my body can't take it anymore. But uh, shoes in shape. He's ready to rock. And shoe, we want to see. We want to see you get get the business. Uh, get the business done at All Star Weekend in the pickup game. So uh, come ready, I'll be my there. man. Come ready. All right, all right, dude. All right, see you, John. Thanks, John Schumann with the Schumann stats, stumping us as usual. Um, John, listen. We need to start getting a cheat sheet for the Schumann stat before he shows up every week so we don't look like such idiots. No. <laughs> Everybody likes to see us made a fool of. My dad even told me, he's like, man, you and Lang aren't very smart. I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, Schumann comes on there every time and makes a fool of you. <laughs> Let's ask your dad the questions. Yeah, hey, believe me, he'll probably know him. Joker knows everything. Anyway, Lang, we, we've been waiting on this guy for quite some time when we first got word of the of the book Furious George, My 40 Years Surviving NBA Divas, Clueless GMs, and Poor Shot Selection. George Carl joining us now on the Hangtime Podcast. And, and George, thanks so much for joining us. I, I have to tell you, I did my late night cramming homework. I stayed up <laughs> to finish the book. I started it a few weeks, a couple weeks ago, and I was like, I got to get this done before we talk to you because I, I wanted to be able to ask you just a couple specific questions about passages that I read in the book and I, I was I couldn't believe some of the stuff you went through um in the CBA like you know just how different the travel and the whole league is itself did that did that harden you for 
anything you would have dealt with in the NBA and just knowing that you had that under your belt and knowing that you had been through that? Well, I, I, I can't tell you how many times over my NBA career that I thought my CBA experience helped me. I mean, it was, it was actually a tremendous amount of things because, you know, with injuries and trades and stuff like that in the CBA, those things, you know, you can wake up one morning and your best player said, I'm out. I'm leaving. <laughs> right. You know, the next, the next day you wake up, the your next best player went to Europe. And the next time you wake up, you know, next play, your next best player doesn't show up for practice. Right. So <laughs> you get all, you get everything in the CBA. And, and, and I, but back then the travel was difficult. Mm-hmm. You know, most of our travel was in vans and, and, uh, the league has gotten much better. I think the NBA has made a commitment to the D league to try to make it a true one, one man, one team, each team having one team and being a true minor league where you have minor league contracts. So I think that's going to be great. Yeah, I think the league. I think right now there needs to be kind of a bridge between college and pro basketball because a lot of guys come into pro ball, they need one more year or maybe two more years of of, of maturing and growing in the pro game a little bit. Yeah, it's it's funny to hear you talk about going through those um, going through all those circumstances in the in the CBA and developing you as a coach. I mean, do you think players today? Uh, kind of lack something because they don't really have to go through those kind of a lot of them don't ever really have to go through those hard times before they get to the NBA. Well, that, I think that's a good good phrase is hard times, difficult times because an NBA season even when you're a 51 team, you have many hard times. You have may, many times of confusion and confrontation that you as a team you got to figure out why why we're not winning, or or why we aren't why aren't we playing up to our potential. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you play a hundred games a year, it's always very difficult. And and learning how to learn from difficult times, learn how to evolve in a losing situation, and grow up and be a pro, and learn how to be a serious pro is a part of the process. And the younger you get into it. It, the more difficult I think it is. Right. Yeah. It, the book is Furious George, My 40 Years Surviving NBA Divas, Clueless GMs, and Poor Shot Selection. George Carl joining us here on the Hangtime Podcast. George, there was so much controversy surrounding, you know, some of the things in the book about Carmelo, Kenyon Martin. You've, you've addressed all those things. I'm wondering now that, that the book's out there and everybody can kind of dig in and devour it. Are there things in there that you look back and reflect on and say, I wish I wouldn't have been as harsh here or there, or is it really just unapologetic honesty that had to come out in this book? Well, I, I think you can have apologetic honesty that came out of this book. <laughs> uh, I, I don't think I'm that hardcore that I want to be unapologetic. I, right. My, my desire was to have a conversation with the fans about my career and, and not talk about it, it, my career philosophically or mm-hmm. in, a, in a lot of detail. I ha- I've had a lot of great experiences that I think are, there are a lot of stories, a lot of laughter, a lot of, a lot of perseverance, a lot of losing, a lot of getting fired, a lot of cancer. I mean, there's a lot of things in the book that have meaning to me. Right. And so if I would have hid my opinions, I don't know if it would have been the true meaning that I wanted to be heard. Yeah. Mm. And but I did not want to be a, a firestorm that I was. Uh, I didn't want to, you know, offend some of the players that helped me win many basketball games. And, right. uh, but in the same sense, I want the feeling of the book was to tell the 
tell the basketball world how a coach feels a little bit. Yeah, right. You know, he, he, he's not a happy camper all the time. <laughs> you know, he's not, he's not, he's tied in knots a lot. And he's still got to go out and perform and, and, and put together plans and, and motivate his team and inspire his team when maybe he's confused too. Yeah, right. So that being said, Coach, which were the clueless GMs? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I think you guys are open up to saying that right now. Who do you think the clues are? Hey, I'm, I'm gonna tell you one thing, Coach, and this is—I don't, I don't think you know. Lang and I have been covering the league for a number of years. You know, really, the past two decades. I don't think people outside of basketball have a true understanding of just how grueling a process it is. You know, I, I covered the Hawks when they were horrible, when Mike Woodson was coaching them. Watch that team evolved from a 13-win team to a team that won 53 games in his last season in in Atlanta. And you don't – you know, coaches rarely get the opportunity to see it see it through that process from just the the bottom of the barrel to when you can get it back to a playoff caliber team. I, I don't know how you guys look at it in the coaching community, but I, I, I have to imagine that's really tough knowing that you get hired sometimes knowing that you're not going to get a chance to finish the job you start. Well, I mean, we can talk about the the coaching circle of of losing. You know, coaches are losing influence. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have a difficult job, but it's an it's an invigorating job. I mean, when you make when you make it work, and the team is working, and you 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 overachieve, and you put together things that you know the game of basketball can be awful fun when you're winning, and, and all of a sudden you're doing things that makes your team and makes your talent on your team work. I mean, that's fun. Yeah. And, but it's true. I mean, it, it, it's a situation, as you say, you know, most coaches are hired to get fired. Most coaches are given the mission and they usually don't get to finish the mission most of the time. Yeah. yeah. It's tough business, um, but some really great insights uh, from you, George Carl. The book is Furious George, My 40 Years Surviving NBA Divas, Clueless GMs and Poor Shot Selection. It's available everywhere. Um, I read it front cover to back it's a fabulous read and uh, coach we appreciate it hope to see you somewhere on this path coming forward okay guys don't be strangers thank you sir i have to say i have to say he doesn't sound you don't sound that furious <laughs> no <laughs> he's man i'm not <laughs> thanks coach we appreciate you thank you bye-bye lang an abbreviated but good conversation with george carl about his book um there was a bunch more in there in those pages that we, you know, that you want to get into and and kind of go over, but uh, but all in all, really a good read. Like I said, um, I recommend people read it because you do find out a lot of different things from his perspective that that maybe you looked at totally differently from yours. I think the thing that was interesting to me was how he talked about he was trying to to have people understand what it's like for a coach because because we've heard all these the headlines out of this and we've heard you know talking about it sounds like it's a book about him but if you look at it from this is what it's like for a coach to go through um that's not a perspective you get very often i think that's it's probably a valuable perspective to have sound the bugles here for bragging rights this week i can't believe this i mean from george carl in in his book furious george i'm gonna write my own book furious Furious you write (laughs) this is a joke my book is gonna be called i am the champion my friends it's time for bragging rights as the guys put their rep on the line. So what do we got this week, John? I see where somebody has rigged this 
process, and I went one and two last week. And Lang was perfect. This is a joke. Lang had nothing wrong at all last That's right. week. Flawless. Flawless week for Lang. Yeah. Huge. And now he huge has week. Four, on the season, he is 14 and 12. Seiku is 13 and 13. This is a disgrace. The cream rises to the top, my friend. <laughs> yeah, new year, new leader. Yeah, just just coincidentally, Finally two, warmed up. two New York clowns are going are, are are taking over the top spot this week. So this week we're going to have <laughs> a game Friday, a game Saturday, a game Sunday. All right. Starting Friday with Warriors Rockets. Great game, by the way. Um, at Houston. At Houston. On ESPN. Yeah, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a great game. Um, I'll take the, I'll take the Warriors. I'm taking the Rockets. Okay. That's all. Okay. That's all you got. Yes, I believe in James Harden. Believe in the beer, baby. I'm taking the Rockets. Okay, then Saturday, debut of ABC Saturday Night for this season: Spurs at Cavs. Oh, I thought you were gonna say debut of uh, Ben Simmons for the Sixers. Anyway, um, you know what? The Cavaliers they they gotta they gotta hold the line in one of these marquee matchups. Against another league team, I'm gonna take the Cavs. I am too. It's it's at Cleveland. I feel like they just uh, had that road trip that was not didn't end the way they wanted. I think they're due to to have a little have a little renaissance here going into the All Star break. So I'll take Cleveland. And we're gonna throw the wild card game out there. All right. Nuggets at Wolves. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely a wild card game. I'll take the Wolves. It's at home and Denver uh, Nuggets. I'll take the Wolves. Ricky Rubio, my guy's been playing good lately. Even with the trade talk, so I'll take the Timberwolves. Even though they didn't treat the Hangtime podcast with, they didn't put any respect on our name. So go ahead. <laughs> I'm going to take the uh, Wolves as well. I think Carl Anthony Towns um, gets it in, and my boy Zach Levine will show up as always. So um, I'm, I'm going to take the Wolves. I ne- I really need the Rockets to handle their business because I need I need this. I need to get back on the winning track. This is. This is what my third straight week sub five hundred in bragging rights. A good guess. That's that's unbelievable. This, is, this has never happened before. It's like triple. Do- it's all these triple doubles in the league going on right now. This is a statistical anomaly. It's it called normalizing. <laughs> Regression to the mean. Back to the pack. Daryl Morey predicted this five years ago. <laughs> well, let's hope I let's hope I find my way out of the wilderness. Uh, appreciate our guests. Our man Dan Wakey coming on talking Calippas and uh, George Carl talking about his book Furious George. Uh, Make sure you subscribe to the Hangtime Podcast on iTunes. Be sure to leave a glowing review. And don't forget there's a new episode every Thursday right here on the Hangtime Podcast. Later. Thanks for listening to the Hangtime Podcast and be sure to subscribe on iTunes. For a new episode every single Thursday this season. And as always, people, remember, say kuna matata.